Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, where a music podcast that chats to artists, musicians and creatives on their songwriting craft and upcoming projects. I'm your host, Simon Fink, and welcome to episode 251. Our guest today is the pop and soul singer and songwriter, Eloise, who just last Friday released her brilliant debut record, Drunk on a Flight. Before we get to Eloise, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever app that you use, and that you're also subscribed to all of our socials so you can stay up to date on upcoming guests. All details can be found in the episode show notes. Our guest today is Eloise. The young UK singer-songwriter is a talent that seems to write lyrics that are wise beyond her 23 years on this earth, and her jazz-infused style pop has really resonated with fans over the last few years. The music that she makes could also be considered, um, some might call it lo-fi neo-soul, that's in the same realm as artists like Leanne La Harvest or Ray, but uh, Eloise is fueled by her kind of honest take on the world. Fresh from an Australian tour only a number of weeks ago, she released her highly anticipated debut record last week, which is titled Drunk on a Flight. It's a gorgeous record that loosely kind of discusses the concept of love and distance and what comes and what occurs when both prove to be more difficult than originally thought. Uh, This record is also such a brilliant headphone record with the sonics on this record being extra crisp. Um, This is with the help of producer Connor Albert, who we discuss in today's conversation. We were very lucky enough to chat with Eloise just after she got home from her Australian tour, um, and we have a discussion about how the partnership with Connor came about. We talk about being on the road and her short time in Australia. Uh, We discuss the airport incident that kind of started the whole drunk on a flight concept and how her songwriting process usually kind of plays out. As I mentioned before, it is a brilliant headphone record. So as always, we've left links in the show notes for you to buy or stream the record. Please make sure you're wearing good headphones if you are listening to it. We do also want to say a huge thank you to Amy from the Oriole Co. for her help with today's episode. Here is our conversation with Eloise. But my flight's about to take off any second now The seatbelt turns around, the signal's running out Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Eloise. Hello, how are we? I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I've just got back from Australia, so I'm a little bit tired still, but um, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? It's like the evening there, right? It is, yes, it is evening in in Australia at the moment. And I did hear um, that we, we've literally just missed you, I think, to anyone listening. We are recording this a little bit ahead of time, but apparently you only left us, I think, the weekend just gone. 
yeah, I I was there for like four days. Um, we flew to Sydney and then to Melbourne and then like flew back basically. And I made the mad decision to stay on UK time while I was there because I couldn't justify it in my head to like get on Australian time and then go back. Um, <laughs> so I was like awake through the nights and sleeping through the days. And then when I had a show, I'd have to like wake up at my equivalent of like 4am. So I'm not jet lagged, but I'm still sleep deprived from having to do that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I can, yeah, that would kind of take its its toll, I imagine, both physically and a bit mentally as well. Yeah, I think I lost my mind for like a hot sec. <laughs> it was definitely, I think I realised like how tough it was going to be on day one, but I'm so stubborn and tenacious if I want to be. And I was like, well, I've said <laughs> I'm going to do it now, so I've got to do it. <laughs> I can at least admire the, um, the effort that goes into that because it is like we... Uh, the, the jet lag for Australia and anywhere basically, we're so far away from people um, that it is. I can, I can, I respect the, the, as you said, the tenacity of, of trying to trying to do that. How did how did the shows go? How was it? The shows went really well. I mean, the, I think I was so like it was almost helpful because I get terrible stage fright, but um, I was so tired and like feeling spooky that it took the edge off that experience. So, like, I kind of went on stage the first show in in Sydney in a bit of a, like, daze and was greeted by, like, the most amazing crowd. And, like, you know, it's always mad when you find out your stuff, your music has, like, made it across any pond. Um, (laughs) But when you realise it's made it around the globe, you're like, okay, that's crazy. These people know the songs. It's packed. And they're the loveliest. I mean, I, I went to Sydney when I was 15 um, and stayed there for like a month or just under a month. And like without my parents, I went and stayed with my friend out there and stuff. And I had one of the best times of my whole life. And all I came back saying was like, I just, the people are just great. Like they're so friendly and happy, but but like similar UK humour. So like I can really like get on get on out there. I was thrilled to be there. <laughs> and the people I feel like we we know when artists and people are making that trek across that we're very appreciative because it is a long it's a very long flight and so we like to try and be as welcoming and um hospitable as possible but yes I would say that there is definitely a link between the the sense of humor of, of both countries yeah yeah definitely I mean that's 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 such a fun thing as well it's like there's such a the swearing thing and stuff because it's like I spent so much time in the states and like you just you know there are certain words you can't throw around and there are certain words that you really can <laughs> throw around in the UK <laughs> I'm a big fan of that it's really fun Feeling like you're not going to be like, because if you say stuff in America, you're of that. Sometimes it will be met with like, whoa, you know. It's nice that you've just got like a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge environment in Australia and the UK. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that. I think <laughs> yes, that there is um, yeah, certain phrases and words in America that either get lost or that that it you either fall on one side of a divisive line. Whereas I think that here in Australia we. We do just kind of, as you said, take it with a wink and a nudge, nudge, and we love to have a laugh about it. I would love to talk um, 
about your brand new record, which is by the time this episode is going out, uh, is is out now. It is a um, sorry. The record is called Drunk on a Flight, and I have to say, just off the bat, sonically, this is such a beautiful record. So, firstly, congratulations on this record. Yeah, thanks. It is. Uh, the second record from yourself, I know that the the previous record, um, Somewhere in Between, uh, came out a few years ago. How are you feeling this time around? You've already kind of gone through the whole debut record coming out uh, feeling. Is it, is it any different this time? Well, it's slightly different just because, like, as a cop-out with my last project, um, Somewhere in Between, I released it as, like, a long EP or a mini album. So, like, I never really counted that. That was always, like, an EP in my head. So, for me, this is, like, this is my debut album. And I always treated it like my debut album because I, I set out to achieve an album when I, when I wrote this. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe subconsciously, but I, it was definitely in my brain that I was, like, it's album time now. It's grown-up time. I've graduated. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, when I get too, like, tired or whatever, I can tip into a land of um, anxiety about it coming out. And then if I zoom out enough, it doesn't really matter. I mean, like, it's a great, lovely thing to celebrate, and, like, I feel really proud of the music, but... The, the I don't need to put the the pressure the debut album pressure on it I think and like if that's going to make my experience of putting it out better then I'm just going to alleviate myself of it having to be the best thing I'll ever make you know because I think in my head I'm like part of a generation where like you know maybe one of the last ones that listens to albums so they can still reference old albums and whatever and everyone always says like the first album's the best one um and that was always in my head. I was like, so maybe this has to be my my best one. And like anything I write is not going to be as good as my first album. But I just had to put that to rest and enjoy the fact that like, just got a bunch of music that I'm really excited for people to hear. And that I'm super proud of. I um, would agree with that sentiment. And as you should be very proud of this record, as I've said, um, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous record for anyone who is listening to this podcast, we'll have the um, the link in the show notes to listen to this record. And I would advise for anyone to please do it with good headphones or good speakers because, yeah, sonically, um, it is a brilliant piece of work, Eloise. I, I wanted to touch on, before we got to the songwriting, I know that you worked with um, Connor Albert on the production of this record. And I think the production oh. plays a big part in this as well. Um, is there a conversation that you have with Connor before you go into the studio about this or is it something that you guys kind of discover as you go along the process? Yeah, I think it was like as we went along, it was, I think the reason I loved making it and the reason he loved making it is we were kind of throwing stuff at a wall the whole time. Like, it, the because I think the songs in themselves, a lot of them are already so different from the other things so the only preconception I had was like this is going to end up sounding different because the songs invite different production um and when I first had a session with Connor it was like gonna be at the start of this process of like trialing different producers and it just happened to be like the first session I trialed anyone and the first session we'd had together and I was like oh I've literally just like he's he's the one um 
And it was because we just like, <laughs> he has like a, a shed studio and we sat in his little shed and within like half an hour, he'd already built up the song. And I was like, not only are you like really fast working, but like he's he's just clever. He's just really clever and he's just born to do it. Um, and it was like, I mean, I let him run with it basically because it was as new to him as it was to me. So I was like, if I had any ideas of like where I thought it had to be or like the tempo or whatever, I'd like say them and he'd be like, cool, it was super inclusive. But I was just like, I just want to hear what you hear when you hear it, just me and a guitar. Like, what are you hearing it as? Um, so it was like the most exciting time making it because you'd like start the day and it's like a folk song. And you'd end the day and you'd have like a pop rock number. <laughs> <laughs> when, I guess, when you're going through the process like that, is there any time where obviously you've, you've got a lot of trust in someone like Connor or whoever is the producer of a track? Are there times where I guess you're really having to relinquish control or almost let go of certain pieces and bits that you might love in the sake of improving the song or making it a, a better? end result or product if you will I don't think so like I don't feel like I ever handed anything I didn't want to hand over um but I think like there are things within my like I can be a real perfectionist about things that aren't important like I mean it's important to give a good vocal performance but like that's a big thing for me is how I sing on on it um and there's sometimes where I can like choose a take where like technically my voice sounds better or I'm I'm doing a runway better or something like that. But then like, you know, Connor will be like, yeah, but it doesn't move me. The other one where your voice breaks moves me. And I'll be like, and then I mm-hmm. have to be like, okay, well actually that is important for whoever's listening it, listening to it. Um, and I have to make the leap over my like ego with, with trying to be the most perfect singer. Um, but other than that, no, like I never, I was just like anything, if I had any ideas, like I'd throw them at Connor and he'd be like, great, love to have the ideas from you. It's like such a, a positive environment. That's awesome to hear. Are you, um, I guess, do you enjoy collaboration in that sense? I love, I love making records. Like I, I'm not great at writing with other people. There are some people I can, I can really write with, but you know, it's few and far between because... Um, I don't know what it is. I just like get really shy uh, in writing sessions uh, about, th- and I worry that they're going to be like, "Oh, she's not as good as I hoped she'd be." You know, like all that goes on in my head. Um, and so then I can't. I have I've, by mistake created an environment where I'm never going to be able to write something great. Um, so that's kind of a solo vibe when I when I write. That's like. I write in my flat here. Um, but collaborating, making something is so much fun, like with a producer. And I all I will always work with one producer for a whole project. I think the the continuity is like important sonically, you know. Um but also it's really fun losing your mind with someone because of course you get to the end of the <laughs> process of making it and you've listened like a billion times and you're like we've both gone insane we've had the same lunch for <laughs> six months or whatever <laughs> um, I yeah, absolutely 
I love that. I, I, there is definitely a sense of camaraderie when making a record and for, for those who, yeah, maybe haven't had that experience, sometimes, as you mentioned, that there is that you're kind of, you do go a little bit insane and there is a sense of the, this these people or person kind of sees you in your most vulnerable but also strangest and aware kind of state. So it is um, it is a beautiful experience when you can make a whole body of work with someone. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you know, like we're getting to the stage, well, it's going to be out now and it's to be able to like get to the end of it and look at each other and be like, oh, we just did a thing and like look at them all liking it and enjoying it and whatever. And it's like <laughs> we just were in a summer with the doors open drinking diet cokes and like having the time of our lives with no preconceptions of what it needs to sound like with no time pressure so it was like the most enabling environment um and so it didn't feel like it was work so the fact that it's like out and we can like look at each other and be like oh mate we've we did it we did a really cool thing together you know it's such a lovely thing I do love that. And it is it is a beautiful record. Again, I'm going to um, keep saying that throughout, so I do apologise if at any point it gets too much. Um, I would love to talk about um, one of my favourite tracks, uh, I Take It Back. It is a, a... There's a few songs, actually. There's the title track and this one that does discuss the notion of flying um, and this one also the, the kind of... Uh, what is it, the run, the the vocal run in, in the chorus I kind of loved. Are you able to tell us about the catalyst or where this kind of song came from? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, I had like basically, I mean, that it kind of ties into the link of the whole album because I I'd, I'd just... Um, had one of many very big life-changing moments revolving a flight. Um, I was in LA straight after a breakup uh, of like a four-year relationship. It was pretty, pretty gnarly. And I um, was hanging out in LA for a bit and I basically like was kind of ready to go back home and like face the demons I'd left in my flat. And um, I got to the airport and left my phone in the cab, missed my flight. And it, for a second, it was like this big disaster. I didn't know where to go. Like I was just like at LAX, missed the flight. It was a disaster. Managed to stay at my friend's house. And, um, he's a, he's a songwriter and a producer. And 
on like the third day of me moping around on his couch, like trying to find a cheap flight home, he was like, come to the studio and let's write. Let's write like a fun pop song because you love pop and like you've never written pop. I was like, I can't do that, but I'll come for the vibes. Um, <laughs> and we ended up writing a pop song that I loved and it was the first time I'd ever written a song and finished it in the same day. Um, and it kind of like something something bit me, you know what I mean? Like the pop bug bit me and I flew back to London like two days later and then you couldn't stop me from writing and I'm not like that normally it takes me so long to write stuff but I I couldn't stop because I'd learned this new style of writing it's like oh structure's a thing oh I don't have to be so (laughs) pretentious about like not letting pop melodies or whatever you know Burt Bacharach famously said there's nothing wrong with using a melody there's nothing wrong with writing a melody that people can sing back to you and he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time um and i think i take it back was like the second song i wrote from after i got back from from london and it was i remember writing it being like just go with it i know it's not something i'd normally sing but go with it because it feels great it feels like something i want to hear on the radio um mm. and you know i'm also like a really anxious flyer so it also comes from that thing of if there's mild turbulence i'm saying goodbye to all my loved ones in my head <laughs> <laughs> I, so. I i find that incredible the kind of the i guess the growth or the the fact that you're able to change i guess the style of genre songwriting without having to play that genre if that makes sense that you're able to go cool, we're going to do pop songwriting. And then that has opened up like a, a new world to you, I guess, in terms of, of what you're able to create. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, I'm not like a freaky genius. It's just that I, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to so much pop. Like the the genres I listen to most are pop and like dance music. So and I have really had like my my a love affair with pop over the last like four years. I just can't. There's no better feeling to me than hearing like a really classy pop song that like ticks all your boxes, great melodies. Um, and so like, I think I'd I'd inadvertently been studying pop. Basically, is what I mean by that. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. plucking things out of thin air. They just there and they had all been logged away secretly and and ready to come out when I had the you know when I learned how to play a bar chord (laughs) (laughs) what um what I guess in terms of of studying pop music for the last four years because this record again great record um it doesn't sound it I think the experience that I had with it and and we obviously we listen to a lot of music with this podcast. We're, we're listening to a lot of new releases and what people are putting out there. It sounded familiar, but still didn't sound like anything that I thought was on the radio, if that makes sense. It was a good thing of that it happened to, ha- to to ride that line beautifully of something that intrigued me and subverted expectations, but still didn't feel foreign. And I'm curious yeah. what kind of pop music were you studying or listening to that you drew inspirations from for the for the record? I mean, I think the funny thing is I wasn't listening to loads of music at the time when I was making it. But if I think about my favorite pop artists, they're actually not 
like main they're not in the mainstream but they're like definitely writing pop like there's a girl called Ali X who's like so sick I'm pretty sure she's Swedish there's a massive chance I'm wrong and that, that I might have just offended people but um she's like she just writes incredible pop music some of the best melodies full stop not even just pop like some of the best melodies I've ever heard listen to a lot of old Kimbra like the the I can't remember what the album's called like Settle or Vows I can't remember which one Vows that like I mean I listened to that I remember when that that was that was one of the biggest most inspiring albums I will ever hear um but I kind of was jumping back into that so it's like it's pop but it's unorthodox pop that I listen to it's like they're clearly people who have come from uh, singer-songwriter backgrounds who have fallen in love with pop so they can apply great lyrics and great kind of folky melodies but like they've learned to manipulate them into a pop thing and make it a little bit more palatable yes i would agree with that and i think vows as you've put it is a perfect example of that as well i can kind of yeah i now that you've pointed it out there actually are some parallels i'm thinking of um what are the songs uh oh my god i like cameo lover and um call me and, oh. and one or two of those other songs from vows that i would maybe now yeah <laughs> yeah i mean definitely even like i remember when i wrote giant feelings like the she has so many jumps from ranges when she sings and i remember when i wrote um because i'm throwing my voice around right and i remember i was like mm-hmm. that's quite that's quite kimbra she's still me she's still there <laughs> knocking around <laughs> i did love um giant feelings as well i think that yeah again this is a great headphone record um for anyone to listen to so again please put it on a good stereo or headphones when you're when you're listening to it um for i guess for you eloise when you started songwriting whenever that might have been i know for a lot of people we've spoken to lately it was in in their younger years do you remember what originally drew you to songwriting and and kind of writing lyrics and, and melody I'm, I, I don't know, like I'm still figuring it out because obviously like lots of questions about when I first played music are coming up at the moment, I'm having to think about it more, but I, I remember writing my first song when I was eight, it wasn't a good one, I don't know, I think I didn't write like my first good one until I was probably like 14, but um, I what I always wanted to be a musical theatre when I was a little girl because you got to do my two favourite things, which was acting and singing. And that's what my mum did um, and does. Um, so there was a long time where I was a bit of a mad kid and I would, like, walk around the fields and kind of write plays. I'd just be walking around and I'd be, like, playing all the different parts and just be speaking to myself, all the different parts. And then write the songs for the the shows right literally mm-hmm. as i'm walking i'll be like and you left me in the rain um and they were horrible <laughs> songs but i think that's when i started to be like okay this is kind of fun like i can do what i can decide what happens narrative wise and then um i ended up like becoming obsessed with rihanna <laughs> when i was like <laughs> when i was like eight and that's when i wrote my first song which is more or less like exactly the same as a Rihanna song, but like a bad version. Um, 
and then and then I could and then I could not be stopped. I do remember that. I was like, I will write a great song. I knew they weren't great at the time. I was like, I'm gonna work. Then that was my first mm-hmm. time I had ever experienced work ethic. I'm waiting for it to come <laughs> back and knocking at my door. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm always very curious because I think there is something really special. We've spoken to a few artists where a love of like acting and, and I guess creating worlds, it's not just simply prose to like a melody that building worlds almost seems to be a big part of being a creative and being a songwriter. Um, I know obviously that we're focusing on this album right now, so this might be further down the track. Um, Could we ever expect an Eloise, or for those familiar with your social uh, media handle, Eloise, could we expect an Eloise musical at some point? 100%, 100%. It's all in my grand plan. Um, I would love to when I was like 12, I, I was in a film and I was in a couple of films. And I had like a brief kind of dance with acting. Um, and that was really fun. And I think I would do that again full stop anyway or just would love to be involved in like film. But in the grand plan, it's always like do this and until I have nothing left to say uh, in songs for at least a long time. And then I'm... I'm hitting Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, in terms of those films, is it anything that we might know? Are they well-known um, pieces of uh, cinema? Definitely not. They're like quite indie films. Um, one of them is called Broken, and it's like it's but it's based on to to kill a mockingbird. It's a, it's actually a great film, uh, which is a weird one to say if you're that because I was the lead in it. But it's objectively like without me in it, it's a really it's just a good script and a good film. Um, but no, I don't. They're not anything anyone would have any, anyone would have seen. They're sweet, lovely films, though. <laughs> we will put um, we'll put the the film details as well in the show notes so people can check them out if they would like to. Um, Again, I know right at the top of the conversation, we kind of touched on the fact that you've only just left us here in Australia. So I realise it is slightly selfish to be asking this. Do you think that we might see you back down here in uh, in support of this record, maybe for another four days um, at some time in the future, maybe this year or next year? A hundred percent. I mean, I reckon it will probably realistically be next year because it obviously involves like so much more funding in terms of getting a band over there and stuff. And, and although I loved doing these last two shows, um, acoustically, it's when the set goes past half an hour and it's just you and a guitar, it can be quite challenging and leaves a lot of room to lose my voice because I'm not held up by my band. So I have to, I have to really use my voice in a different way. So, um, it will be next year, but a hundred percent. That's not like we've never. We'll never write off a place. The only time, the only reason we wouldn't go to a place is if we like actually couldn't afford to, or like the band isn't available, kind of thing. But absolutely, we'll be there. Look for whenever that is. I'm very excited, and hopefully, 
this will be the last time I say it, I promise, this record does deserve, I think, the, the full band treatment. So hopefully we can get you with the full sonics of the record over here in Australia. Um, lastly, Eloise, we would usually ask our guests what they're currently listening to. Is there anything other than your, your record um, that you are playing on repeat or that's on a high rotation for yourself? Oh God, let me tell you, I have not been playing my record on repeat. I'm done with that, with listening <laughs> to that one. Love it. Um, I have been listening to uh, two things. Sorry, I'm getting it up on my phone because I really want to get it right. Um, I've been listening to a lot of this guy called Higo, who's a UK garage producer, and he's brilliant if you want to be happy, um, if you're getting ready to go out, whatever. If you want to pull, like, an ugly face when you're dancing, Higo is your guy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And um, the, other, the, other part, the other thing I've been listening to loads is that song we've been loving in Silence by Mara. Um, oh, and yes. Yeah. It makes me cry. Yeah. Two very different kind of feelings I'm getting from those choices, but... I love that it kind of covers the, the almost the, the spectrum of the human condition, both one happy song, one sad song. Love that. Um, Eloise, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast and congratulations on Drunk on a Flight. It is out now. Hopefully we'll see you in Australia soon. But, yes, thank you again for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'll see you again soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.